0: Well, the book of Esther is an incredible book and it's also kind of a fun book, especially Esther chapter one, satire and humor is there as we lay the foundation of this incredible study in the book of Esther and see heroes like Esther and Mordecai. So today, Esther chapter one on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now... Here's Pastor Michael. So the king may have been sipping on wine for a week. Seven-day party, right? And finally he's there with his buddy and the buddies. And the implication is he's with his leaders. This is kind of the smaller party now. The queen's been having her own thing. And he says, Hey, I got an idea. You seven eunuchs, come over here. Go get the queen. Tell her to look pretty and put on her royal crown. Some of the rabbis believed that he was calling her to come to them scantily dressed, if the rabbis even said, if nothing at all. That's reading more into it. But there is evidence that what he was asking for was basically for her to come in to be his trophy wife to be another possession among all the glory that he had been displaying for six months plus seven days. Now he wanted to bring in his trophy wife and say, hey, hey, guys, they've all got wine in them. Take a look at this lady that I've got. And we all know that too much alcohol and decisions that people make are typically a bad combination. Do you know that there's evidence in literature that actually the Persians would make policy while drinking, sometimes to excess. They would make state and empire policy tipping back some drinks. And some of us may be shocked, but you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if some policy in our own country has been made in that same context. Some believe that the uh, seven were called here to bring the queen in her royal litter, to literally carry her into the room. We don't know for sure, but the emphasis is on her beauty. He wants to display her beauty before everyone. And what did Queen Vashti do? She refused. How many of you have seen the Veggie Tales version of the book of Esther? In that version, she refused to make the king a sandwich. That's how, (laughs) I want a bologna sandwich and I want it now. Now! All right, you're out of (laughs) here. In the real story, whatever he was asking of her to pull her away from her friends, to show her off before his drunken buddies, he said no. She said no. Now to me, this tells me something about the character of this king And his, and I'm going to put this in quotes, his love for his wife. Because no man who loves his wife would ever ask this of her. So does he love her? Or is this a power play? Or is he trying to impress his friends? You know, sometimes when we get uh, people who abuse alcohol, they do things that they wouldn't normally do. Don't know all the details, but she refuses to come to the king at his command, delivered by the eunuchs. Then the king became very angry end of twelve. His wrath burned within him. It was a crushing blow to his ego and his pride. Just a, a note that being merry with wine is mentioned a couple other places in the Bible. Yeah, the references are Nabal's story in first Samuel twenty five thirty six, and Amnon in second Samuel thirteen twenty eight. Let me just say, in both cases, it ends really, really bad. Now, I'm going to reiterate something that I think should be painfully obvious. Christians are instructed never to be intoxicated with alcohol. There is absolutely no excuse. I don't care what one you're going to try to bring. You are not to be drunk with wine. It's not just Ephesians 5.18 that says it. There's 1 Corinthians passages and other places that talk about drunkards and so forth. Not inheriting the kingdom of heaven. You are not to be under the influence of alcohol. Now, I have been one that stood at this pulpit and said, look, you have freedom in Christ to partake if you can keep it under control and if you can do it within the right setting and context. That's between you and the Lord. But the command not to be drunk with wine is non-negotiable. Clear? I hope so. And I would question if this is something that you feel that you need, quotes, then you may want to take another look at your walk with Jesus Christ. If you need alcohol or some other substance just to function or operate, you may want to take another look At your connection with the Holy Spirit. Let's be real. We live in a world today where this is now commonplace, where it's all about my rights to do what I want, but look, you've got to ask some deeper questions as a Christian. It's true you're free in Jesus Christ, but it is not true that you are free to sin or to break his commands. Well, she was being treated just as another possession. One more object of the king's prestige. I'm going to get on another rant for a moment, but here it is. Women in our culture, the sex industry, um, has now made a mockery of what God intended for male-female relationships. I was doing some premarital with with a couple, and we were talking about the origin of marriage, and I took them back to the book of Genesis, and there uh, God... um, he creates Adam. He places him in the garden before the fall. He tells him to cultivate it and keep it. Adam names the animals. Um, he's given responsibility by God, but there's not a helper suitable for him. And the Hebrew literally means an ally, a partner to complete him. So God causes a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And God takes one of his ribs. And of course, the couple asks, does that mean that men have one less rib than women? Nope. That's not what it means. But anyway, he was in a deep sleep, kind of a, a sleep as though you were going under for an operation, and God uh, performs a divine operation. He takes one of Adam's ribs and he closes up the flesh at that place, and from the rib, he creates a woman. The first recorded words by a human being in the book of Genesis are these words Whoa, man! <laughs> it's true? She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Do you know that from Genesis 2 all the way to Revelation, there's a story of a marriage, sacred, ordained by God, a covenant. God brought the woman to the man. God is the first father of the bride. He walks her down the aisle to Adam, and then Adam says, Oh, yeah. She's someone who fits me. I've been naming all these animals, monkeys and bulls, and flies, and they're, they all they're interesting and all, but it doesn't seem like there's anybody suitable for me. But she. And God walks her down the aisle. The first father of the bride. And he says. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. Adam had no father and mother to leave. This is human. This is instituted as an institution from God. Marriage is from God. He shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Marriage is from God. When those two come together in covenant in a sexual union, I'm looking at an adult audience, aren't I? The woman bleeds. Do you know what that's a sign of? A covenant. Covenants are ratified in blood. We have taken what God intended to be sacred and we have cheapened it and distorted it. Sometimes I'm in my office with a couple or I'm at an altar with a couple and I start to get into these things and I can just feel The room, like, go, wow. When's the last time you heard something like that? Sacredness and things that originate from God Almighty and mystical unions between male and female that go much deeper than some physical act for your pleasure to swipe right on a person or have a one night stand or whatever the latest lingo may be. You with me, folks? This is where we are. Man's downfall is pride. The king couldn't take it. What he was trying to convey was blown up in a microsecond by his own wife. He's trying to display his power and glory. Do you see the satire and irony? And he can't even get his wife to make him a sandwich. <laughs> Grilled cheese, anything? Peanut butter and jelly? No. No. You can see his buddies in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> then the king looks, oh, Quite, quiet. You can cut your head off in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the satire? What? She, she, she won't, did, did you hear that? She won't come. <laughs> you can see why the king's so upset. So the king said to the wise men, <laughs> he could see them, they almost... Bop into the room like the Three Stooges. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> what do you want, King? Well, the wise men who understood the times, that's actually possibly an astrological term like divination, reading the stars, etc. cetera, uh, who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king, so to speak, before all who knew the law and justice. So he calls in the experts, the ones who were close to him. There's the names of those guys right there, ending with. A dude named Mamukan. thats one of my favorite new names. <laughs> Mamukan. what's up, Mamouk? <laughs> These were the seven princes of Persia and Media who had access to the king's presence and sat in the in the first place in the kingdom. According to the law, here's the question: What is to be done to Queen Vashti because she? Become... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but first. We understand that time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on in Truth. So he calls in the experts, the ones who were close to him. There's the names of those guys right there, ending with a dude named Mamukan. That's one of my favorite new names. <laughs> Mamukan. What's up, Mamouk? <laughs> These were the seven princes of Persia and Media who had access to the king's presence, and sat in the, in the first place in the kingdom. According to the law, here's the question. What is to be done to Queen Vashti because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs? What should we do now? Somebody pulls out a rule book. Can you imagine this? Hold on. Now. I think it's under page 77 under uh, Article 3C. If the queen refuses to make the king a baloney sandwich the possible options for said king are. (laughs) What? I don't think there was any rule per se, but on a serious note, if you didn't come when summoned by the king, I would imagine that was on the books, right? King calls you into the royal chamber and you don't come. I'm sure there's something to pay for that. So here's the question. Now get get the irony. They've had a marital spat, Okay, she, did, she didn't want to come, but he's made it into a federal case now. They're getting law books out and everything. How many of you have had a marital spat that you turned into a federal case? Oh, every hand in the room should be up for those of you who are married. Have you ever come to the end of an argument with your spouse and say, and by the way, <laughs> how did we get here? You both go. Wasn't it about the peanut butter? You ate the last piece of the potato bread, didn't you? <laughs> I had that muffin hidden. I haven't wrote my name on it. What is it? What do you mean? What is it, the end of the empire? Federal case? Let's get the law books out. So, <laughs> Mamukin may have been, <laughs> this is, I told you there was humor here. So Mamukin may be the senior guy. He's mentioned last in the list. So he says, uh, 16, we have to hurry. (laughs) Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also all the princes and all the peoples who are in all the province of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's conduct, it's almost like he stood on a pedestal, will become known to all the women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands and refuse to make them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) Furthermore, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought into his presence, but she did not come. And this day, the ladies of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's despicable conduct, I added despicable, will speak in the same way to all the king's princes. And there will be contempt and anger aplenty. That's the Michael Lance translation there. Can you imagine what's going to happen now? Now, get this. Had they just kept the thing quiet within their own ranks, then it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. A few buddies laughing, you get over it, right? But now, it's everywhere. In fact... They're going to come up with a statewide policy based upon Queen Vashti's just say no policy. <laughs> I can see what's going to happen here, says Mamookin. <laughs> They're going to start printing bumper stickers, just say no. Just, Vashti did it. You can do it too. It'll be a whole women's lib movement. It's disaster for the entire 127 provinces. In the, uh... (laughs) can you see some of the advisors with their nightcaps on? Hmm, (laughs) yeah, yeah, Mamookin, yeah, yeah, Mamook. This is a great idea. Let's write some policy, because we we haven't had enough to drink tonight. (laughs) One writer says, talk about a straw woman. You guys have heard of a straw man argument? This is a straw woman argument. They have made this such an incredible tragedy that the king is going to be ridiculed now all over his kingdom because now everybody will know what his wife did to him. And the king, with all the power and splendor and majesty he tried to show off, is there at his royal throne going, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Yeah, broadcast it everywhere. Good. If it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him, and let it be written in the laws of the Persia and Media, so that it cannot be repealed. That Vashti should come no more into the presence of the king of King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her a royal position to uh, give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she. She's out of here. She's got to go. Jewish tradition says that she was not only deposed but executed. And when the king's edict 20, which he uh, shall make is heard throughout all his kingdom, the great advisors continue. Great as it is, then all women will give honor, NIV, respect their husbands, great and small. As soon as this letter is dropped off by the United Persian Parcel Service overnight, and arrives on the doorstep and couples open it together and read the king's edict. From now on, all women shall respect their husbands. That should do it, right? Right? No? Like like if a royal command came to your house and you were disrespecting someone in your life and it said on a piece of paper that you should now furthermore respect them always and forever, that wouldn't do it for you. You mean, ironically or seriously, if a man has to command a woman to respect him, whatever respect in quotes was there has now lost its meaning. If you have to command people to give you respect, may I submit to you, you probably are not going to get it. You may get feigned obedience you you may get people who line up and shake their heads when you bark your orders but they don't respect you. Gentlemen, since guys are being addressed here, respect is earned. Now it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be given, but you understand. And so this word, <laughs> please the king. Yeah, this is a great idea. Let's get it out there overnight. The princes. The king did as Mamukin proposed. And so he sent letters to all the king's provinces, because this was urgent. To each province according to its script. There was many, it was a multilingual kingdom with all these nations that had been conquered. And to every people according to their language. That every man should be the master in his own house and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. So here's, the, here's what came out of the banquet. <laughs> All right, well, we, we got a lot done today, don't you think? Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, she, that taught her a lesson, right? Probably. See, everything they did backfired on them. It would seem, as we wrap up, and Shane, I'm going to invite you to come up, that the entire resources of an empire went to sending FedEx overnight to something that would never work. They would have been better off having just buried this. And we often would be as well. Some things we just need to say, love covers a multitude. You see... Here's an application for us. I'm going to read some of my notes, and I'm just going to ask you to just meditate on this. The world that seems so extravagant, powerful, and prestigious is made up of hollow, lost, prideful, and often unwise people. And that's the leaders. We have to laugh, but we also have to hope. You see, a supreme all-wise power does exist. When Jesus came, he didn't show up, show off, He wasn't born in a palace, but in a stable. His call to follow is not compelled, but it is a call to follow that which is truly rich, full, lasting, transcendent. Are you trying to find your meaning back in Persia? In the parties, the parades, the fashion, the excess, the drunkenness? It's easy to get enamored by the glitz and glamour. The homes, the money, could seem so attractive, But for most of the folks that we see, that's all they've got. You see, true value lies in a completely different empire or kingdom. You might be asking, where is God in this chapter? He's there working, hidden but real, alive, divine providence. One queen leaves so that God's queen can come. God uses very normal human circumstances. As I mentioned earlier, The people might hear the news and say, who cares, but Queen Esther is coming. And finally, a messianic banquet is coming. The theme of a messianic banquet provides another point of comparison and contrast with these two kingdoms. The Lord, too, has prepared a sumptuous banquet for his people on the last day. But when God summons his bride, the church, to his banquet, He doesn't do so to expose her to shame, but to lavish grace and love, to show her mercy. He doesn't force sinners unwillingly to his feast, but gently woos them and draws them to himself. Like Vashti in this contrasting picture, we could refuse the king, but when Jesus, our king, calls us, it's not to shame us, but to forgive us. It's not to expose us, but to clothe us in his righteousness. It's not to make fun of us, but it's to express his love and cleansing power in our lives. That's our God. That's our King. He comes humbly. Often we don't see it, but he's working. Do you know him? Indeed, God is working in this wonderful story of Esther. Even though his name's not mentioned once in the book, he is there. He is here working in your life and working in mine. Well, there's so much more to come in this new series in Esther, and I'm very excited to share it with you. The Lord has something to teach us all from this great story. Be sure to tune in tomorrow to hear a message from chapter two of the book of Esther, God's Queen is Crowned. Well, if you're already as excited as I am about this new teaching series on Walk in Truth, please know that we would love to get the entire set into your hands. Esther, for such a time as this. When you give a financial gift of $30 or more, we'll send you a flash drive of the series as a thank you. Visit walkintruth.com to donate today. You can also find the mailing address from there. Click the donate button at the top right hand corner of walkintruth.com. So glad you're along with the journey in the book of esther tell a friend about what you're hearing and we will talk to you tomorrow until then god bless you thanks for listening to walk in truth encouraging you to reach out with god's truth to all people